0: Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann.
1: Hello and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward. This is episode 38. I'm Beverly Ann and today I'm joined by...
0: Chris Tuck. She's always joined by Chris Tuck, everybody.
1: (laughs) I know, but in case this is somebody's first time of listening, we can't just assume. If it's your first first time, welcome.
0: Welcome. (laughs) And if
1: you're a regular listener, welcome again. So today's topic is really interesting and it's a continuation because it's part three of Parenting. And we've obviously done parts one and two. And in one, we spoke about trauma and pregnancy and the considerations even whether or not to have children. We touched on that because that's something to consider. And we then went into parenting from younger children. So we're now going to go on and continue into older children. And we both are parents. We both have trauma behind us. And I know that quite a few people, I know I did, I put my hands up. It's hard to find the balance at times, Chris.
0: It is, um, especially when we know trauma responses can happen anytime. It doesn't matter how far you are on in your journey, in your recovery, or whatever words resonate with you, a trauma, a trigger will happen and a trauma response will occur. And I'm gonna give some clear examples of this throughout today's um, episode. Um, But the reason why we wanted to talk about parenting again is because we touched upon, as you said, like the early years, um, but the struggle of being the best parent that we can be is, continuous isn't it Beverly we've spoken about this a lot just me and you behind closed doors um as to what we should be doing that would be the best outcome for everybody and where we've not felt we've handled a certain situation in the best way what could we have done differently um and I think that the magic of our conversation and our podcast is the fact that we're not frightened of sharing our lived experiences, no matter how hard or ugly it can be sometimes, in order to shine a light and in order to share with other victim and survivors of abuse that are still dealing with trauma on a day-to-day basis, how normal a lot of this stuff is ah. and how we can deal with it. In the best way possible and we are the first people to hold our hands up and say we haven't always got it right and we are going to carry on making mistakes in the future but it's just to give ourselves a bit of a break along the way because there's no handout or manual for being a parent and we have experienced the most horrific upbringings and childhoods And we've endeavoured to not to repeat that for our children, but we don't always get it right. And that's what we want to explore in this conversation. Absolutely. You couldn't have said it any better.
1: And, you know, when we were thinking about doing this podcast, oh, my mind just exploded. And one of the things, as I've mentioned, I think, in part two, One, as my children have got older, one of the things I've said to them is, you know, as a mum, as a parent, with the knowledge that I had at that time, I've made the best decisions I can on their behalf. As a human being, if I've made any mistakes and it's impacted them, I've always said, sorry. That also comes with its own challenges as well though, because finding that courage to be vulnerable and say that, and then finding that something that you, when you say sorry, can sometimes be thrown back at you. And that, for me, is a huge trigger.
0: Can you give an example just to bring that point alive for our listeners? Yeah,
1: because one of the things I've worked really hard to be is not be a victim of my childhood. That's always been, you know, as soon as I got to 16... Like you, you know, this is it. We're changing our childhood. And that can stay behind. And when I did have children, it's like, I don't want this coming in. And I was able to protect them for so much time of that when they were younger. It's as they become older and they become aware. Now, part of that is my own journey because I've now opened my voice. I don't carry the shame. I don't carry the guilt but sometimes it comes out in other ways in what when you're parenting and it's the messages that are being received not just by me but our children as they become older from other members of the family and the imbalance so if I talk about my own children, I've got two children. I'm not going to go into their sexes or anything in any way because they have their right to their anonymity and their choice to share any experiences. But they don't, they're not in contact with my birth parents. So that's one set of grandparents I've kept away from them. My dad's dead anyway. And I was at an appropriate age when my children were younger, able to explain that their nanny, while she wouldn't hurt them, wasn't a nice nanny in normal ways. So my kids grew up knowing that, which meant that their other grandparents had a much stronger base and they were fantastic and they'd been very good. But then when you go through a breakup of a divorce or marriage or partnership, but separating, divorcing the the other parent and it's their family, their grandparents, it becomes no matter how hard you try to make it um, communicate, there's always going to be that blood connection against you. So it was very isolating at times, And in that way, it also reinforced some of the messages that they've been hearing as they've been growing up.
0: Can you give an example?
1: Yeah, well, at one time, one of the things that were actually said, and I'm not going to say what member, but um, they actually said, you came from a bad childhood and you're ruining your children's life as well.
0: Wow. And... What did they mean by that? Obviously, we know your traumatic childhood, but in what way were they saying you're ruining your children's childhood?
1: Because of different decisions that I was making for my own safety and changing. So, for instance, when I wanted to go to counselling, when I needed to go to Mm counselling, I was in crisis, trying to hold it together for my children, hold the family together. And as we've said before, being that perfect parent, because yeah. I strive to be that perfect parent, you know, yeah. the white picket fence, you know, that not a toy out of place, controlling. Okay.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Never yeah. arguing in front of my children because I come from divorce, that domestic violence, my children are going to. So when that was crumbling, not because of anyone else's actions so much, mm-hmm. but I was getting nightly, you know, night terrors. Mm-hmm. I wasn't coping, I was yeah. becoming very ill. So, yeah. I knew then I, the option was to go for counselling. Well, mm-hmm. that is very fearful for some people. Yeah. And it's when you're being told, when you're, you know that you need to reach out, and I did, but then you're being told, why do you need to talk about something that happened years ago? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I
1: get keep it. Your, keep, you know, keep your mouth shut.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's,
1: their messages that go through, to your teenage children now. Even if they don't witness it being said, it gets repeated in the language, which unintentionally comes through your children at times. And we know what children, you know, when our teenagers come, you know, take it away from my family for a minute.
0: Yeah, let's just do default just teenage years yeah, and how teenagers can have.
1: You're in a family unit, you're growing up, and your caregivers, your parents, hopefully, are on a pedestal, they are, you know, you don't question, they provide everything that you need. However, when you become a teenager, you suddenly think, hmm, that may be your decision, that may be your belief, but that's not mine. That might be how you want to do it, but I want to do it, or I want to do it a new way. Yeah. I mean, look at technology. (laughs) and Mm. then suddenly that's when it then clashes so it's normal for teenagers or young adults to go no I don't agree with you it's normal to go oh I'm so frustrated with you you know I don't love you at the moment sometimes you really frustrate me
0: yeah yeah it's not nice to hear
1: (laughs) yeah it's not nice to hear and I'm not saying it's nice for anyway but say it to someone who's come from trauma who's experienced that as a child I yeah. uh, don't care where you are in recovery there's a trigger there's yeah. a vulnerability
0: yeah so we've got haven't we we've got on one hand sorry i write notes as we as we speak um don't one hand what what is normal and i mean what is normal so in in every single household as your children grow older there is gonna be this tussle of almost um, them finding their feet, challenging your um, barrier, uh, your not your barriers, challenging your um, boundaries within the household. I mean, one of these, for example, you're, you do as you're told under my roof, yeah? And we all like hear that in every single household. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard it for decades, over the generations, and we've spoken about this. It, That frustrated the life out of me and it did you, and it probably frustrates the life out of our children as well. But when they are coming to an age where they're trying to express themselves and exert themselves, and you've got boundaries in place and they're pushing against those boundaries, you've got those boundaries in for a reason, but they're pushing against them. They might break them, they might overstep them then there's going to be some heat and there's going to be some um, outcomes that are not necessarily going to be peaceful within the household. And I'm trying to be very um, PC here and delicate about this, but I don't know one household that hasn't had some kinds of conflict when their children are growing into young people and into young adults and then they're pushing against those boundaries and they're testing out their voice and and their own power within the constraints of a household where, you know, the parents are trying to do the best they can. So there might be some harsh words, some arguments, um, some, I don't know, a bit pushing and shoving and all that kinds of stuff, you know, that is just normal in everyday life. But when you come from a background like us, where there was violence, there was domestic violence, um, we tried so hard from us just sharing together and sharing in the larger world in our conversations we tried so hard to make sure that our households there wasn't arguing and shouting and um pushing and shoving it or anything like that it was no physical no shouting we tried to keep the peace we tried to keep an even keel And that ain't normal, but that's what we've tried to do in order to keep everyone safe and try not to recreate what we went through. But I think then the children that we've had, they've grown up not in not in the right sort of like normal context of what family life might look like in someone else's household. They've almost had the opposite so that when they're faced with an argument, because it has happened mm-hmm. um, they don't know how to handle it and we don't know how to handle it because we've mm-hmm. almost gone the other way and I just think this is a lot of insight and a lot of reflection going on here and um, it's not always um, what's the word I'm looking for um, it's not balanced is it because we've, <laughs> we've gone the other way and we're, we're almost like when something does then happen it's a massive thing a massive thing and it shouldn't be a massive thing it's just normal growing up within the household
1: and this is the impact of intergenerational trauma and it's understanding that and you know we encourage choice you know you know what what is it you'd like? You know, I know right from a, a child, I, uh, when my children were young, I encouraged them to make decisions. What do you want? Does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you want to wear that or do you want to wear that? Make a yeah. choice. Yeah. But then when they get older, the lovely thing is they feel safe enough that they question it. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and we want that, don't we? But sometimes we it can be confronting and challenging.
1: Yeah. And that's... and. They struggle to communicate. We struggle to communicate from a different angle and also out of protection, out of protection. You know, and sometimes I, you know, like if I'd known all what I know now when I had children, how differently would I have done it? I don't know. I just know that I did the best. Yeah. But it's easy to see both sides when we step back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you don't, you're not in a um, domestic violence relationship. So you sit from a different angle. And yes, I'm not saying you and your husband always agree.
0: Oh, God, no. And, and, you know, our sense of humour, we don't actually fight and bicker, but we have a lot of sarcasm in our relationship, a lot. But that's our relationship. But if anyone looked in on it, they would probably go, oh, my God, oh, my God. But to us, it's just, it's normal. It's what mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And and then from my point of view, I came from domestic violence. I tried to stop it. But what I became without realising, I was a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously making sure, that I've got to be careful here, of, you know, making sure that I'm keeping everybody happy in the family. Yeah. but not knowing my boundaries didn't you know I came last it yeah did. so what I'm showing there by message is I'm not important so I have to accept the responsibility of the message that I showed my children
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then for me when I made the decision to enter the relationship with their father I can understand how confusing that is for them no matter why how what what the decision was about when I said it I thought long and hard about it because the first thing I didn't want was my children to come from a broken home
0: yeah I know a lot of parents think that ah
1: oh, yeah um so anyone if you're in that place at the moment I know that feeling you know yeah. and so when I made that decision I didn't just make it on a whim I was 150% sure and I stick by that and that's what got me through the hard times. I wanted my children, regardless of their sex, to understand that there are positive ways to be in a relationship. So I made that decision. It's not always been agreed and I understand that and everybody has their own ways of seeing things.
0: Yeah, their own perspectives, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And even today, I stand by that decision, even though it got very, very challenging. And this is when things become uneven. But even when they're even, such in your case, Chris, what's been the hardest thing for you sometimes as a parent?
0: I think, and again, I've got to take responsibility for this. I've always been almost like looking at at their world in a 360, constantly surveilling, almost predicting something that's going to happen and stepping in to stop it happen, to protect. And I think I've done that so much that I haven't passed on the skills of them dealing with stuff in the best way possible so I feel that I haven't equipped them with um allowing them to stand on their own two feet and sticking up for themselves as much as they should have done maybe um and again some people listening to this may be thinking oh well you've just done your best you did but I just think I might have gone the other way a bit too much and I should have um let them fight their own battles a little bit more let them find their own feet a bit more and just allow them to experience the world as it is so that they have more of the reality of the actual world rather than what they think is the reality because I've really made it a bit um more candy floss that yeah. is so I feel like I've um one of them in particular is finding it a lot harder at the moment because they may not have the skill set to deal with the situations that they might be finding themselves in does that make sense I'm trying absolutely. not to absolutely absolutely situation and keep their anonymity but talking about it from my perspective
1: absolutely and you know I can I can resonate with that because up until the time I decided to, to end the marriage I can tell you now my children didn't actually hear any arguments
0: yeah
1: you know if the other person was getting a bit frustrated I'd be quiet It wasn't that I was weak and I don't want anybody listening to this. No, I'd say, you know, I'm not a doormat and I wasn't a doormat and don't underestimate my strength, but to protect my children.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I Yeah. I wanted them to grow up in an environment that was safe, secure, loving, nurturing.
0: Yeah. And
1: like you, I put my hands up because the very first time they heard an argument was you know, a very challenging time. And it took it from an argument, when mum and dad are not getting on, to making it huge and traumatic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So the one thing you're trying to prevent...
0: Yeah, happens.
1: ..you've created. Now, anyone listening, I don't want you feeling like, oh, my God, what have I done? And this is why we've been honest here. Yeah. Because it's really hard to be honest and not have judgment because there's a lot of people that make judgment and I've been and I have been for many many years nearly 20 years um judged against and I'm not going to go too much into that but I'm happy to answer any questions and I can see how some people haven't haven't understood
0: yeah yeah but we're also sort of like we're trying to say aren't we that um we don't get it right all the time because we are human. And at the end of the day, what is the best way to deal with things when they don't go according to plan, when you do feel like um, there's a situation that's got out of hand? How do you actually then fix it? How do you deal with it without picking up the pieces and trying to make everything all uh, cozy, putting that know, mask on? Fixing and it. Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. Um, how can we all grow and evolve and how can we all be better for it? How can we all learn from the experience? And for me, I I know you've probably got a lot to say on this, but for me on reflection, it's just, it's happened. The situation's happened. Um, I've reflected on my part on it. I've offered the apologies and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Um, and now I'm stepping back and I'm just allowing time to allow the situation to unfold and for that other person to have the space and move along with what is going on with their feelings, let allowing them to process it like I have. And then hopefully we can have a conversation about it a week, a month, whatever is needed to actually to talk it through, talk it out and put it to bed. Because as I was growing up, I never had any of that. So I didn't know the process. I didn't know the feelings. I didn't know how to deal with stuff. But I think the best thing that I've given my children is the ability or the space for them to say what they want, how they want, no matter how upsetting it is, so that then we can say how we feel, say how we've upset each other, and then you know what, go away, process, come back, let's talk it through, and then let's put it to bed. So I think I've allowed that to happen, even though it's uncomfortable, Ah. even though sometimes the, the feelings make you feel like, ah, the worst person ever, but I think that that communication has not been there because we've gone too far the other way and now what we're trying to do as a group of adults within our lives is bring that balance and bring that new communication style into practice and it's hard Bev. Tell me about it and anyone <laughs> listening I, I bet
1: that you, you know it isn't just a one you know one conversation quick fix it's no. so not and You know, I put my hands up, you know, and I'm going to share some of the things that have been, you know, I've been called, you know, all you ever do is try and fix it. When I'm talking to you, don't try and fix it. Stop trying to put another positive spin on it. I don't want to hear that. Or you're cold, you're heartless, or that's not true what you're saying. And it is actually true, but you're not telling me I am. But, and I put my hands up to this, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't said not because I've lied, because I've tried to protect. Yeah. So now, with my children at a different age to yours, I've had to learn to what I call sit on my hands. And I've actually stepped back for two reasons. The first one is I'm always going to be their mum. Yeah. That doesn't change. But I need to be able to let them go with love, go and live your life. Go and experience those things that I don't want you to experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's not my fault when that happens, although God is the last thing I want, especially, you know, some things come out, but it's not my, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time that I'm here, I also, even though I'm your mum, I am a person too. Yeah. And this is where I changed, and I I accept that I, I moved it because I went from being mum, you know, who put herself last, and I know that happens, to actually when my children get older, saying, no, I need to think about my boundaries and learn yeah. about them and learn about how to keep myself safe, and that was in my recovery. Um, You just see my head go funny. You need to talk. My battery is going low no and I've got to plug it in. <laughs>
0: All right, I'll keep the show on the road. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so just carrying on with um the conversation around parenting and how do we um, respond to our more adult children in our lives and work out where we sit with the relationship whilst we're working through our own trauma is very difficult at times, but I think if we want them, to know what a healthy relationship looks like and what healthy communication looks like, and you are allowed to express your anger, your frustration, your upset, your happiness, your sadness. For you to be able to express all of that as a person, some of us need to be taught how to do that because we don't know how to do that, and um, that's part of all of the learning and the journey as well from recovery from what we've gone through, and. Sometimes um, it has been said to me that because my childhood has been so traumatic and so abusive, that I can't recognise smaller or lesser incidences of what may be termed abuse. And from my perspective, what was explained to me I don't see as abuse I just don't because of my experience and my perspective but that's not to say that the person who spoke to me about stuff hasn't had a response themselves to something that's happened to them and I can fully acknowledge that and I can tune into that I can empathize with that sympathise with that apologize for for whatever whatever um but it's not gonna change what my reality is and what my perspective is. And sometimes as the adult with more years of being on this earth and with more wisdom, and I'm talking to all adults out there that might be sitting in the same place as us, we do need to just let those people in our lives say what they want, but then put some context and some perspective around where they're coming from because I don't think in my experiences that sometimes it, it it's said within the right context and I think that they need to know that and I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that either. Absolutely if not liked.
1: Absolutely and one of the things you know and I'll say what I've had to learn is I don't know. So going from, you know, mum who something is, oh, this is the answer. This this is what you do. You know, I've had to step back and go, I don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. And it, that's hard. But I also went to parenting classes as well. Yeah. As I've said before.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and I needed that. I needed that for me as a person, as a parent, because I was fearful of that message. You know, you've come from a bad background. Yeah. Uh, you know you're going to ruin your children's lives and I was like no way am I absolutely no way um absolutely not um and I'm pleased and it's like now understanding what our triggers are understanding who we are knowing our boundaries does help us in the long term because it's helped us to be able to now be reflective I'm always looking back is there anything I could have done differently okay and I really check in and I really try to look at both sides and now I've taken the decision okay you can step back but it wasn't an easy and I'm not saying it's easy to anyone who's listening but we also need to allow our children that space because when because then when we have the conversations then they can go oh okay and that's when we can be vulnerable because it's not easy especially if we feel we're being attacked i know my response you want to attack me thank you very much no i'm taking myself away yeah and i will i will take myself away but that can be seen as you're not
0: listening yeah yeah let's take our family out of this just for a moment I've been reading lately that there has been a massive increase on children and young people literally attacking their parents, like physically Mm. and all things like this. And, of course, that is not right. But a lot of people's responses to that was, oh, well, it's because we're not allowed to discipline. It's because we're not allowed to smack. It's because we're not allowed to do this and that. And then when you go on to these kinds of videos and whatever conversations, and you say, well, actually there's laws against adults hitting each other. Yet there's no laws yet passed, properly passed in the UK that stops adults hitting children. And for me, and we've discussed this before, if we show children that if they step out of line, if they say something that we don't want to hear and we're going to hit them, we are showing them, surely we are showing them that when they don't agree with something, that they hit. So we've that cycle and we've tried that, we we have, we've broken that cycle because we haven't allowed it to happen. Mm. Um, However, that doesn't stop situations where there might be blow-ups in arguments within the family because of these boundaries that we put in place that you know young people no longer agree with or they've got their own beliefs about um you know so what is the best way of dealing with these kind of situations when they do blow up in every single household absolutely well
1: when they do blow up it's you know, as I said, and I've been I have been there. If something blows up and there's a fear for your safety in any way,
0: yeah,
1: I'm taking myself away. I'll come back. You go to your room. I mean, they say that you shouldn't send your children to their rooms, but you know what? There's a time and a place. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather send my children to a place of safety for them yeah. to be able to reflect and me to my, my room to my place of safety to reflect and had that space to give to take away some of that emotion if they don't want to go there I'll be honest I've actually been in my bedroom and locked the door yeah because this is important now some people listening may say that's not not conducive well at that time it was a lot better than it becoming physical
0: yeah
1: I'm gonna say at times you know when they won't stop I was like what what do I do yeah Smacking wasn't something I liked doing at all. So that's one way. Another way is asking yourself, what support do you need yourself? Where are you? Because if we're in hyper, um, you know, hyper alert stage, and and we're being triggered, fight and flight, and we're being triggered because we've got a teenager in front of us who can't vocalise and so they're using violence. I'm not making excuses, but that, that's where the behaviour comes from. It's something that they want to verbalise and they can't.
0: They can't. So they've got yeah. they're angry in an angry state themselves potentially. Potentially.
1: That's not conducive for anyone. But mm. it is important. Then you find support for yourself. Parenting classes. Yeah. Wellness. You know, finding your yeah. tools. You offer a. Um, workshop for people to understand where they are Uh, you know there's lots of different people around find that support because standing up all the time and being face to face is not the conducive way you know you need to have that space to come up but being able to then sit down or if you can't speak to each other write it
0: yeah yeah and i'm gonna um, own up here for me and my hubby sometimes communication can be really difficult um, just because of the way that I was brought up. Um, and sometimes I just feel like I can't say it because I don't want to hurt anybody, but it needs to be said. But I really don't want to hurt anybody. So the best way for me, because it brings up a lot of stuff for me. I literally I WhatsApp him and I just like oh, that's gone. Good. And then he WhatsApp back. And and it's almost like the emotion's been taken out of the conversation and you can actually get to the core of the issue without the emotions being thrown all over the place yeah Um, so we've actually found that when we are both in a place of disagreement that if one of us talks oh because we've been together like nearly 40 (laughs) years for god's sake but if one of us like um doesn't agree with the other and we've got emotion going on and we can't get to a place of um agreement well what well what's that because then we can just go like right you know what you you've uh, really upset me because do, 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 and then here come back and say whatever and and we do we get through it that mm-hmm. way so we've just found even though you know they always say don't they communicate face to face and do, 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 do. sometimes it's just not possible no
1: no and I, that's one thing I encouraged my children to do even at an early age we talked about choice in another um, podcast but I encouraged yeah. them to write down you know Write a letter, even if you don't send it. And this is the ironic thing. I find it really challenging writing down. You know I do. I've (laughs) spoken about this. I'd rather do verbal. Yeah. However, there are times that I've written letters. Now, for me to write a letter to somebody, no matter what's in it, even when it's being sent with love and it's being honest, is a huge gift to me. But that doesn't mean to say that the person receiving it is mm. receiving it in the same light. Yeah. So like WhatsApp, for some people that would be explosive. So we're not telling people do this and this is no. the result you're going to get.
0: <laughs> Work it out for yourself and your yeah.
1: relationship. And the other way as well is when you don't say anything as a people pleaser, like you say, you know, like, you know, inside you come down and like the kitchen. Oh, look at the mess of the kitchen. That's what you feel. But you don't say it. Whereas I've learned also a lot, and I'm happy to share this from my friends, watching them, being in that comfortable position, being in the house when they start shouting, and you think, "Oh God, what's going to happen?" But yeah. actually it doesn't nothing no. happens that's my well, own that's experience, their
0: upbringing, though, isn't it, and this is yeah. what, what is normal for one household is not normal for another, yeah, yeah, and this is what I was trying to sort of like share about you know putting things into context when you've you've like you've lived this hell then you've created this almost like calm peaceful oasis or perceived oasis that we've both talked about and then something happens and then everybody around you goes oh my god what's going on because you've you've, you, you've not brought balance into the household it's almost gone the other way and then yeah. you've got the consequences of that.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the hardest thing. And we need to be really honest here. Yeah. There is no perfect family.
0: No, absolutely not. There
1: is no perfect home. Yeah. Um, what I do see a lot of, and I really don't like it, I see a lot of judgment, you know, especially around parenting. Um, and we need to back off from other parents making judgments. We can share this is my experience or have you thought of this? Um, But also for our children, I have great compassion for our children because I can't imagine what it's been like for them being born into, you know, we've tried to give them a life that's completely different and there's no understanding or um, comprehension of where we're coming from. And yet, we do, what we're trying to do is protect them. We don't. I don't want to share all my experiences with my children. It doesn't matter how old they are. If they want to ask questions, I'll answer. But they'll never know the true extent because I wouldn't want to share that. Put that responsibility on, no matter how old they get, because they're still my babies.
0: Yeah, I understand. Unfortunately, I wrote about mine, and so my daughter picked the book up and read about it. So, uh, yeah
1: yeah and one day I'll read
0: a book but I look at
1: it as it's, it's choice yeah it's choice
0: oh this is a mind-blowing um topic isn't it parenting but I also as well wanted to put something into context you know we spoke about this the other day when I was trying to figure out my head um through the decades or generations certain things used to be okay but they're not okay today yeah and one of those things that has followed us all through from the decades is um you can't leave the table until you've finished your dinner for example that happens in all households to my knowledge I don't personally I don't know not one household over time that hasn't had that messaging in now whether it's right or wrong is completely a different topic of conversation Okay. But I've said it to my children, I had it said to me. Um, but for me, when my kids were growing up, for example, I always endeavoured to give them good food, um, a variety of food, and it was cooked with love. And you know, it, you know, it was never big plates of food and it was never disgusting stuff like I was served up um, again my perception, my perspective, Um, and I would encourage them to sit there and eat it. But I would never say, finish your plate. I would just say, if you don't eat it, there's nothing else later. Or it will be there for when you're hungry later. So that's sort of like how I changed the messaging. Mm -hmm. Um, But if your partner has a different way of bringing the children up to you, And when you're at work, they then say, right, you're not leaving the table till you've eaten all your dinner. The children can take that on as obviously different messaging, but also as a trauma if they're made to sit up the table. But for many people, that's just a normal thing. Whereas when I was young in the abusive house, I was told like I couldn't get down to the table until I ate it in one household. But in another household, I was I was told you've got five minutes to eat as much as you can. And then that's it. It's being taken away. So there's a lot of harmful stuff that can go on that can live with you throughout your lifetime. But in in a normal household back in the 60s, 70s, eating all your food or there's nothing else was actually a normal like narrative. There was nothing wrong in that. But now it's seen as a. As a like a, almost um a precursor, some of that messaging, a precursor to some eating disorders.
1: And and that's for me, being able to sit around a table was a privilege. And and you know, in, in my children's home, you know, we were taught table manners as if we were sitting up at the Queen's um Queen's table. Um and they said that'll take you across the world. So that was what was lovely. I was taught that. So I taught that to my children. And as um, if there was bad manners at the table, it wasn't that you know, talk, because we always do best and worst and things like that. It's a social environment. So if you don't want to to, if you're you know misbehaving, if you're not eating your dinner and that, that's fine. This is a privilege to be invited to the table. If you don't want to join us, that's your choice. Get down from the table and you can eat later on, on your own. But again, that's seen as, uh, potentially, it's been seen as exclusion. Mm. But in my words, and my objective is to say, actually, you're not in, you're not excluded, but these are the boundaries. Yeah. This is social. I'm trying to teach you a gift that I was given that has taken me through you know, I've experienced some wonderful tables to be at and I'm eternally grateful. And this is when we're talking about perspectives, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's um, how it's received.
0: But what you try to... Not you, us yeah, collectively. in general. What we've tried to do is the best that we can, but there might be a trauma response for our children because of the way that they interpret things. um and that's,
1: and you just have to real. accept
0: it. And it's very and real it's for hard. them. And it's yeah. hard to actually hear it when all you did was from the best place, but it's not been received like that. And Absolutely. I think, I know that's just an example, but there would be other examples out yeah. there that maybe parents that are listening can tap into and actually go, Oh, actually, maybe when my child or my adult child comes up to me and says, Actually, mum, dad, that wasn't conducive for me, and I've actually got a trauma from that. What do we do? The only thing we can do is just say we did it from a place of what we've learned, what was passed on to us. Was it right? Was it wrong? Well, that's all we knew at the time, and that was from the best place. It, It came from the best place from us. But I'm really sorry that it has had a negative impact mm-hmm. for you, um, and just to acknowledge it and to apologise, because that's all we can do, we can't go back and change the past. No, and,
1: and and the ironic thing is as well is there are memories that I have, you know, when things were really struggling, and I have a particular memory, <laughs> and it was one of my children's birthday, and they got this present, and their dad dad wasn't available to help and I thought you know when they opened it that would be all lovely do you see what I mean and it wasn't and I didn't have the knowledge how to put it together and I'm trying to put it together so now I'm in a place where this is my child's birthday and it's not as wonderful as I wanted it to be they're looking to me to get it all ready and get it working so that they can use it and of course now I'm in survival mode you know my brain Something that I could do normally, but I feel under pressure. I want to make it the best I can for my child.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And it's not, and I'm feeling as a people pleaser back then, like, this is my fault. I'm failing. I'm failing yeah. as a person. I'm failing yeah. as a mum. I'm letting yeah. my child down. It's their birthday. It was all, and I remember just losing it. Yeah. Losing
0: yeah. it. Yeah.
1: And just screaming. Drop it, you know, and shouting yeah. out and going. Yeah. What's ironic is that sat, that guilt sat with me for years. Yeah. And in a conversation when we talk about childhood, because obviously they they they're very good at saying different things, that wasn't remembered. But okay. It was, but it, it was, was for you. I mean, but then there's other things, as you yeah. say, that are unintentional that get remembered. So one of the things I have said. my children but i meant it in a good way years ago was um when one of my children said when i have children i'm never going to tell them off
0: (laughs) okay good luck with that one (laughs) and i
1: said you know what i said the the hardest thing about being a parent is the guilt that comes because you suddenly realize that you're responsible yeah for how they feel like the outcomes yeah And you have to get used to that yourself, and that's the hardest thing. And I said it without even a lot of consideration at the time, but this is what we're talking about now, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it is. Accepting
1: that responsibility, even when it wasn't intentional.
0: And I think another thing, Bev, that came up for my family is that Dad was always working because of his job. Yeah. Um, I was working as well because of my trauma background and... Roof over the head, money in the bank, stability, security, all of that. We were always striving to always work. So we would have all of that coming in. But the children have been impacted because of that. The amount of Christmases that dad hasn't been around, the birthdays he hasn't been around for, just everyday family life. Mm -hmm. It was always mum that was around most of the time. And it's actually come back to roost that well, dad doesn't love me, dad doesn't care for me, dad doesn't this, dad doesn't that, because he was never there. And I'm like, but dad was at work, working really hard to give us the money so that you could have the life that you had. And I think that's an echo chamber across many households where there's been this um, imbalance of just one parent being the main carer for, for the children. And also in my house where I've tried to protect the children to an nth degree, I always did everything when it came to their personal care. I actually pushed my husband away. Yeah. Pushed him away. I (laughs) said, no, I'm doing this. Don't worry. So I've, I've actually got my part to play in this where for all best intentions, I created that void between them and their dads. And yeah. And so, Dad's always said, but what do you mean? Of course I love them. Of course I care for them. Don't the fact that I go out to work and earn the money show that. But the children don't feel that. And I think there's a lot of a lot of work that needs to happen around that in itself. Yeah. Um there needs to be a bit of understanding from the grown-up child's perspective from their perspective that actually. I can recognise now that he did try his best by doing what he wanted to do. But at the same time, I need more emotional input from you, please. And this and is that, a
1: transition, isn't yeah, it? This is yeah. that horrible transition. It's yeah. being comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that's yeah. really what we're saying. It's
0: horrible.
1: It is. So we're coming up you know, time-wise.
0: Oh, so, Always.
1: I know. Because we could carry on talking. And I think yeah. that sitting in the uncomfortable is like yeah. really true. Um and I will say my my husband now is really good at that. Really, really good.
0: Good at what? Sitting with the sitting uncomfortable.
1: In, yeah. And 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 voicing what he's thinking.
0: And yeah. what does that do for you?
1: It's actually really helped me. Okay. I'm not saying we never argue. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah. we
1: both, so we both come from a background of um, recovery in yeah. different ways. So yeah. we both have been able to look inwards, and when yeah. you're both coming at that space,
0: it's easier,
1: isn't it? So much different because we can recognise when we need time out.
0: Yeah,
1: we can explode, but we can recognise it, and we can go away, or we can both self reflect, and we can both come back. Come back. And say, look, this was my intention.
0: Yeah, and
1: and I'm sorry. Exactly.
0: Instead of flattening heads all the time. But the sorry doesn't mean say
1: not from a point of I'm, you know, it's not victim based. It's it's having that courage, that strength to be vulnerable.
0: Yeah. When you
1: can't always be vulnerable. So last thoughts from your point, Chris. What would you say to anyone who's been listening to this now and thinks, oh my god? I've got a young child sitting here. How do I know what to do going forward?
0: You know what? I was listening to Gabon Matty again the other day, and when he was talking about his relationships with his kids and what he what he would have done differently, um, I was a bit gobsmacked when he was telling talking about the realities of being a father and growing up with trauma and and then having children and 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 the things that went on in his household I I actually thought oh someone's actually like talking about what actually has gone on in my household as well and you know what thank you because it's normalized it a little bit and taken a bit of the um, the angst away for me but one of the things he said was um, if you have gone through an abusive childhood adulthood before you have children try and recognize the impact on yourself and get your shit sorted so
1: absolutely absolutely
0: (laughs) pass it on in any way
1: no
0: and i'm the next generation
1: i've got my shit sorted because i had children and i didn't want to pass it on and as i've said if i knew now back then so Mm -hmm. i absolutely if if you've already got children it's still not too late no
0: no no of course it's not we're not saying that but But anyway journey's harder
1: and that's what that's what i admire in in some in young people these days is that they have access to it you know and they have access in different ways but we're talking we're having these conversations yeah and it's brilliant because we're not trying to shut our Children up. That's what we don't want. But we to do. don't want. No. We don't want. We we want them to engage with us. We might not like it. I'm not saying no. that
0: it's... it's not easy <laughs> being told about your failings. <laughs> not easy at all.
1: No. However, we do want that because that is the basis of communication.
0: And we're showing them how to express how they're feeling. So yeah. why would we want to shut them up? We we don't. Yeah. But We don't always like what we hear.
1: No, and we also have our own boundaries for safety. So there is a way to communicate. So one of the things I used to say was go away to your room, think about it, and when you're ready, we'll sit down and have a conversation.
0: Yeah, and And if if then that conversation gets heated, break away again and then come back to it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because when you're in fight and flight and you're like, yeah, right, right. and they're doing the same right, right, right. all it can do is go bang
1: yeah so my one last thing a funny thing I'm going to share my children uh, as as they all do as they get older they suddenly share all these different things when they were naughty and they got away with it etc but they shared when I most scared them and they said mum when you were angry and shouting and going Oh, we knew that was nothing it was when you spoke Quietly, yeah. Slowly, yeah, yeah. Because you didn't actually have to shout, and if you said you were going to do something, you always did it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if that was
1: bad language, open their mouth and yes, I did that. I, I yeah. did that. I wasn't yeah. wasn't you know wasn't having that. Yeah. So uh, and I put my hands up to that. So yeah.
0: So parenthood, guys. There's no manual, there's no no perfect parent, there's no perfect household. And the best thing you can do is communicate, express boundaries, and talk more and more. And then, if you can't come to an agreement, a resolution, you agree to disagree, but you all move on.
1: Yeah. And it's okay to have that
0: space. Yeah
1: it's okay your relationship doesn't change you're still going to be father mother daughter son you know whatever that but do it with love have that space with love
0: yeah yeah right mm. we have got to stop we do anyway we'll probably do a parenting part four sometime guys but <laughs> at the moment parenting part three done and dusted well done bev
1: As- always anyone with questions or anyone yeah. with some feedback you can email breaking the cycle to step forward at gmail.com you can um, find information on chris as well through survivors of abuse you can find information of me through stepforwardpractice.co.uk and we are available on youtube on podcast and mint wave radio which is uh, which is good so goodbye for now and see you okay. in the next
0: one bye, bye. bye.